Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy. I am here, one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing well. Um, recording again on the road as we've uh, driven through uh, Yosemite Park, through Tioga Pass, first time in the Eastern Sierras. Beautiful day. Watched uh, some of the some fall colors in California. Pretty rare for California. Uh, if you don't know, if you're not from around here, we don't really get seasons. It's just kind of just a one big gradient. It gets a little colder in the winter, gets hotter in the summer, but we really don't get much fall. We get a little bit of spring, but no fall really whatsoever to speak of. But dad, speaking of falls, the Packers <laughs> have kind of started to tail off a little bit over <laughs> the last of couple falls. of weeks. I, I, I just saw the segue and I had to take it. But we are here today to talk a little bit about, do a little bit of a post-bye week special edition to talk a little bit about how the Packers are doing through five games in six weeks. Uh, We're going to look at what the statistics say, what a lot of the metrics are saying, um, what we feel like we're seeing out there on the field, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Don't worry, though. We will still be doing a pregame later this week uh, for the Packers matchup against the Broncos, one that we really hope they're going to win, but... Don't worry, this is not in lieu of that. This is just kind of a special post-bye week episode. Uh, But yeah, Dad, we're going to talk all about all that stuff. But before we do, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes out, articles we find interesting, pieces of Packers news, etc., etc., etc. So yeah, come give us a follow there. And if you like what you hear even more, come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well. So if you want to check that out, come check that out. We would really appreciate it. It would really help our numbers. But, Dad, a lot of stuff going on in Packers. Early by this year, week six, earlier than usual, five games played, Packers are two and three. Lots to talk about there. But maybe before we get into that, we could touch on a little bit of news and notes from Titletown. So today, a few roster moves made by the Packers as they signed running back James Robinson to the practice squad. Uh, who was formerly of the Jaguars and the Jets and was previously on the Patriots roster this offseason. Uh, he had a very good rookie year in 2020, but has since dealt with injuries and has struggled to kind of get back to that same form. And they have also signed cornerback Anthony Johnson to the practice squad. And no, you are not seeing double. Uh, don't need to check your prescription. Uh, they now have two Anthony Johnsons on the roster. They have one on the roster and one on the practice squad. This one is also a rookie, also a defensive back. Um, but yeah, so they've added that. And then the corresponding move was to cut Keandre Thomas off of the practice squad. Uh, Dad, I think my main note here on these moves is that I was a bit surprised that Patrick Taylor was not re-signed to the practice squad. Now, yes, he was out of practice squad elevations, so they could not bring him up to the active roster from the practice squad for game day. But they had just signed him to the active roster for that matchup against the Raiders and then cut him and re-signed Justin Hollins. But I... It seems that they had really liked Taylor and had kept him around for a few years. Uh, He was one of their core special teamers. He was their go-to quick game uh, running back in the two-minute drill against the Saints when they won that game. Um, And I'm just surprised that they didn't at least keep him around on the practice squad around the team uh, in case they needed to sign him later in the year to the active roster in case of injury or something like that. what did you think about these moves, uh, about not bringing back Patrick Taylor, who apparently worked out for the Patriots today, about cutting Keandre Thomas, anything there that really stood out to you or any comments on any of that? What do you think? So I'd say the most surprising thing about the um, the Patrick Taylor 
issue is that he, he did seem to be with Jones out. They're their go to back. They're 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 running back of choice for the hurry up offense. Not Dylan. Um that that was that was Taylor who was in in all those situations. So that's a little bit surprising. Does it mean maybe Jones is healthier? I don't know. I could speculate on all kinds of crazy optimistic notions if I wanted to. The other thing about so they've got to, you know, uh one rookie quarterback, uh just um, from UVA, Anthony Johnson, and another um, rookie defensive back safety, uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. So can UVA Anthony Johnson claim that he's Anthony Johnson Jr.'s daddy? I, I don't know, but I don't think he's senior, so technically no. <laughs> but I think we might just need to have to start including the junior on the end for any time we're referring to them. Or maybe, AJ, maybe AJ, hopefully AJ. not. Yeah, AJ, AJ, AJ and AJ. AJ. Yes, although it's going to get annoying, wonder, I'm sure. If they're, if they're both in the game, it's going to be very confusing very to all bothersome. the announcers. Yes, and I'm sure we'll hear a lot about it if they ever both end up in the game. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the main news and notes around the Packers right now. Um, we'll be having an injury update on the roster during the pregame uh, for the game against the Broncos, so we'll save that for then. But Dad, should we get into this post bye week analysis and talk a little bit about how the Packers have been looking this year. We know everyone who's listened to this has watched all the games, but maybe you're not familiar with you know, what this what the numbers are saying, I think sometimes when I watch games, I can get emotional about, you know, oh man, the, the running game is horrible. The, okay, spoiler alert, the running game is not very good, but yeah, it's things say, like that. That's not just emotion. Uh, the, the stats <laughs> do bear out. hard, cold facts about the running game not being good that don't yes. have any need to bring emotion to. It's because those hard and cold facts are so bad that the emotions start bubbling to the surface. But yes, but, the, you know, a lot to talk about here. Dad, let's Let's start with the offense. Um, let's talk a little bit about how the Packers' offense has looked so far this year. And I know we have a bunch of notes written out, but I'm just gonna pop. I'm just gonna pop a question on you. You have not prepped for this at all. I'm sorry about this, but you, you know, mean if all the you, prep I did wasn't good enough. <laughs> I still, I still you, need a pop quiz. <laughs> well, if you had to express your feelings about the offense through five games. What what are your feelings generally around the offense as a whole? Not necessarily specifically the pass game, not necessarily specifically the running game. How do you feel about the offense just watching it before we go into the stats, maybe underlying about how they're actually performing? Um, three words, not good enough. Um, and I guess the thing that's the biggest disappointment so far is that after like the first game or two, their offensive line is underperforming yeah i, that's I think that's thing, totally that's fair the, to say that's the most worrisome thing about the sort of the, uh, the holistic view of the offense is that there's a hope that the offensive line would be stronger this year be more settled jenkins would be further out from his injury bakhtiari would be more stable after playing what, like uh, two-thirds of the games last year and that we'd actually one way the offense could still do well is that the offensive line would be good. And that seems to be getting further away with every passing week. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And we'll talk a little bit about the offensive line in depth in a second. For me, I think my, my thought actually is it's kind of expected. Like when I, when you look at it as a whole, but I don't like the direction that it's going. I don't like that it feels like the offense is getting worse every week. I think, obviously, I think they had their best day on offense 
you could argue between the Atlanta game and the Bears game, in my opinion. I actually thought they looked better against Atlanta than they did against the Bears, but they put up a better numbers against the Bears. So you could argue the Bears, they, they played better against the Bears. They had a good game against Atlanta. Then they had terrible first half against the Saints and managed to pull out a miracle victory. Um, pretty much three quarters the against four- the Saints. Pretty much since the fourth quarter of that Atlanta game when they fell apart, they, they have really struggled to do much of anything with the football. I mean, the, so most like, of that Saints, most of that Saints game, terrible. The whole Lions game, pretty much terrible. I know they made like a fake comeback at the end, and no comebacks to me like ever really a fake comeback because they did get to like like almost one. They they had a chance to get it to one score, um, which I know sounds really sad when you say it like that. And then you know the Raiders game. I mean, you're just kind of putzing around against a really not very impressive defense. That and was so a I would comp- say that like was a competition of ineptitude that game against the Raiders. Yeah. Man, those poor folks that had to have that as their primetime. I don't know why that game's on Monday Night Football, uh, but I just don't like the direction that the that the offense is going. I think is how I feel about it. But that, yeah. now that we have our that's just fair, kind that's of fair. Gen- there's been this general sense that they're getting worse as the season goes on. Yeah, and and, and, and that's the feeling. Few, in, there are a few things that I think bear that out too. In a few yeah, different and hopefully, groups. hopefully after the bye week, they're able to clean up a lot of stuff. I wouldn't. There's a lot of stuff to clean up, so I don't think the bye week's going to magically fix everything. Hopefully, I guess I should say they can clean up enough stuff that it they can get back on track. But Dad, let's start talking about the offense in earnest and talk a little bit about how they stand relative to the rest of the league. And we'll start by going overall. So these are some numbers. They actually pretty much bear out that the Packers are more of a middle-of-the-pack offense, which I think should... That's why I kind of said it's to be expected because we kind of expected them to be a bit of a middle-of-the-pack team. I think the concern comes with the direction that they're going, but I digress. So here are some numbers. Do with them as you will. The Packers currently are 16th in team offense DVOA per FTN. They are 13th in EPA per play and 18th in success rate per rbsdm.com. They are 6th in red zone touchdown percentage, which is not bad. And they are 16th in points per drive, which I honestly think points per drive is a metric that more people should use because it is kind of a turn-based game in some ways. Um, However, there are a lot of other areas where they are not succeeding, we should say. They are still fourth worst in three and out percentage. That's the percentage of their drives that are three and outs per Arjun Manon. Um, they are 20th in yards per play per pro football reference and 26th in yards per drive. So despite that good points per drive metric, they're 26th in yards per drive. So that's kind of in some ways tied to the three and out percentage. So it's like either they're scoring or they're doing nothing. And so that's why that yards per drive is so low. Um, however, they are 12th in third down conversion rate per teamrankings.com, So they're kind of right in the middle of the pack there, but dad, I think, you know, when I look at those numbers, it's just, it's a middle of the pack offense, which I think in a lot of ways, just as a whole, that was kind of what we expected going into this year. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And what you can see is that there's some things they're good at, some things they're bad at. And when you and sum some it all things, up, and some things they're really bad at. <laughs> And when you sum it all up, they're kind of mediocre. Um, some things are a little bit kind of troubling in combination that some of their success is maybe a little bit unsustainable in terms of being like really high in red zone touchdown percentage or a lot higher in 
points per drive than their yards per drive would predict. So those are things, and, and maybe we're seeing that play out now as the offense seems to be getting worse. Maybe it's actually a little bit of regression to the mean of how many points you might expect based on their yardage success. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. that's that's uh, maybe going to be closer to where they end up, a little bit kind of slightly below middle of the pack as some of these other things, unless they start to see some individual improvement. And there are a lot of things kind of going on in terms of like individual players as well as the the group as a whole or the coaching staff. And and I didn't do a sort of deep dive on the, the coaching staff and scheme and things that uh, um, maybe could have. But, uh, but that's sort of the big picture of, of the offense. So we can, then we can you know, break down the passing game versus running game. Yeah, well, let's lead into that. And I want to start with the passing game. I almost wanted to start with the running game because the running game has been so bad and the passing game has been better, I would say. <laughs> but I think we should start with the passing game because, like we've said all offseason, the only thing that matters this year is Jordan Love and how he looks and getting a good evaluation of him. So per the numbers, uh, the passing game right now is by DVOA 11th in the NFL per FTN. They are 14th in dropback EPA but 21st in dropback success rate per rbsdm.com. And they're currently 23rd by PFF grade in both passing and receiving. Uh, Compare that to last year, they were 8th in passing and 23rd in receiving. So the receiving is staying consistent, at least, I guess. Uh, And, Dad, let's talk a little bit about Jordan Love now, now that we have those numbers out of the way. The Jordan Love of it all. The Jordan Love of it all. Because before we get into the numbers... I think, how do you think he's been playing? I'll I'll lead it off to you. I know we put our, we did our concern meter one to 10 on how concerned we were. You were a seven. I was a five with 10 being most concerned, one being least concerned. I'm still at a five. I think that he's not always being put in good situations. And to me, I would say the Raiders game was his, The only game I would say was bad so far. So to me, what I would say is he's had two good games, which I would say were the Bears game and the Atlanta game. Two, like, meh games, which I would say are the Saints game, although he did lead a great comeback in that one. And the Lions game, to me, is like, I don't even put that on him because when you are down two starting linemen and then the other two linemen are the right guard and the right tackle are injured, like Runyon and Tom were in that game, and you can't block anyone... I don't really put that on love that much. The Raiders game was a bad game. He played badly. He played very poorly, actually, in that game. Um, But yeah, so I think, you know, I did watch the quarterback school that JT O'Sullivan does on that Raiders, that Packers Raiders game. It was maybe a little less bad than I initially thought when I was watching it. Still not good, though. Still a bad performance. And so I would say through five weeks, if you had told me to start the year before the bye that love would have... They would be two and three. Love would have two good games, two all right games, and one bad game. I think if you had told me that before the year, I'd be like, okay, like first year starter, first five starts. You're showing some flashes. That's pretty good. I think, like I said, where the consternation comes is that it's getting worse the last couple weeks. And I think if it had been, you know, just like kind of steady, you know, maybe the week four was one of those good games, week two was a bad game, et cetera, that would make me feel better. 
And, you know, maybe if they can come out of this bye and stack a couple of successful games, I think maybe some of the nerves would go down. But, Dad, I know I had thrown it to you earlier and then yammered on about it for another, like, 30 <laughs> seconds. But, Jesus. Dad, what do you, what your, do you think? Answering your question first. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about Jordan Love? What are your thoughts right now? So, I think there are times where they have not necessarily put him in a position to succeed in terms of game plan. I mean, we've seen very little of that style of offense that seemed to be working so well in the Eagles game last year um, in terms of the the, the concepts, the, the, how quickly he's getting the ball out and things like that, uh, and scheming people open and spreading the ball around. One thing, though, that concerns me so far is there's some things that seem like he's having trouble with that don't show any sign of improvement, like his like being able to complete deep passes and his overall accuracy. Um, those are concerning things for a quarterback. Um, if those, if uh, yeah, if the efficiency is going to be so low. That's the that's the reason why my concern meter is a little higher. Um, I mean, there's still a chance for him to turn around, but in terms of what he's done so far, it's a little bit. Um, I'd say it's a problem at the moment. Yeah, and, the and deep so ball accuracy kind of, is. I was going to say the deep ball accuracy is definitely concerning. Um, one thing I just wanted to point out is, I feel like they've been less able to take advantage of the middle of the field in recent weeks specifically that Raiders game I felt like they could get nothing done in the middle of the field and it almost makes me wonder like you know they always say like after a few weeks defenses have tape on you and they start to catch up so in that game against the Raiders they had no completions to the middle of the field in that game and two of his picks were to the middle of the field two picks so do you think that they were just sitting? Like, do you think the game plan coming into it for them was just take away the middle of the field and we're going to be fine? Um, that's just something I wonder about because it did Maybe. seem like when, when he's had his best success and what you said about the Eagles game. Now, I'll push back a little bit on that because I don't think the Eagles defense was fully locked in. They were playing a lot of prevent. No, probably not. But and I, have when this, you think- I have that same question of things like, slight comeback against the Lions. Was the defense really locked in anymore by that point? Yeah, that's. I think that's a fair question. But I guess my question is, you know, when I was thinking about that Eagles game, I think about that that crosser across the middle to Watson, obviously. Think about the, yep. the hit to the middle against, or the hit to the middle to Alan Lazard, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm wondering if, you know, with with more tape out on him, are teams focus going to focus on taking away that middle of the field? Um because, you know, we kind of saw last year, and it was more of a, by Rodgers designs, like they couldn't attack the middle of the field, and they would try to attack the sidelines, but they couldn't do it efficiently. And that kind of brings us to a bit of a discussion about Jordan Love versus Rodgers last year, if you want to get into it. Or is there anything else you kind of wanted to add on to the discussion about how we feel about Love through five games? Well, we can go over what some of the numbers are. And, and I had brought this up into the our, um kind of what we want to do in the episode take is a lot something that people talked about a lot about how good the Packers could be this year in terms of their offense and and in order for the offense to be kind of good enough um, love only had to be as good as 2022 Rodgers which was not as good as 2020 or 2021 Rodgers and so and then you can see like how 
Love stacks up against the whole league versus how, you know, maybe if we want to go into how Rogers did against the league last year, whether where some, in some places it's kind of similar, some places it's worse. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people were like, he just has to be as good as 2022 Rogers. And in some ways he has been, in some ways he hasn't been. Do you want to kind of take us through that comparison of, how they each looked yeah. uh, or how love has looked through five weeks versus how Rogers looked last year. Yeah. So we could talk about some of the numbers and where um, love stacks against the league. So right now by PFF, his passing grade is 24th in the league with a 61, which is basically like right on sort of an average grade last year. Rogers was 75.9. So significantly better. Um, his net right now, his net yards um, loves net yards per attempt are 23. Um, 19th in the league, and he was 23rd in adjusted net yards per attempt, which includes a penalty for throwing interceptions for pro football reference. So so last year, Rodgers was um, 21st and 20th in those two metrics. So pretty much the same by by, uh, net yards per attempt and adjusted net yards per attempt. Um, His love success rate is only 28th in the league, so he's near the bottom there. Um, Only Fields, Tannehill, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, and Zach Wilson are worse. So he's pretty close to the bottom. Not his... the company that you want to be in. No, you don't. As a neighborhood, not really. that's, that, that's not a high-priced neighborhood. You don't want no, to be there. It's it's not a good neighborhood. And, and I just wanted to... Rod... I, I... Oh, you want to throw something in Sorry, there? Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to give our, our listeners a reminder of what success rate is. Um, so a success rate... Uh, for those of you who know, is forty percent of the yards on first down, sixty percent of or forty percent of the yards to gain. That is on first down. So if it's first and ten, getting four yards is success. Sixty percent of the yards to gain on second down, and a hundred percent of the yards to gain on third or fourth down. So that's what success rate is. But sorry, Dad, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah, and so he's near the bottom of the league in success rates. Um, and Rodgers was kind of middle of the pack last year. So that's something that Love has been substantially worse. The other thing that Love is bad at is his bad throw percentage per pro football reference. 32nd in the league at 21.5%. Only only um, Pickett for the Steelers is worse. And Rodgers was, it was only like 15% bad throws last year. So Yeah, there, there are some metrics where you know, Rodgers last year and Love are pretty close. Uh, and then there are some where there's a bit of a gap. And then there are some where there is a very large chasm. And that's this next one that we're talking about. And I think this is where a lot of the the frustration and, and worry for Packers fans comes is on target throw percentage and just general accuracy for love. Um, and if you want to say, you know, hey, it's not fair to compare love in his first five starts to Aaron Rodgers. Fair. That's a, you know, it's a fair point. It's a fair argument. But like we said earlier, I think a lot of people over the offseason were arguing when they were arguing in favor of the Packers having a decent year this year that, you know, love just had to be as good as Rodgers with a broken thumb. And so from that perspective, I think it is at least useful to view how Love is performing with how Rodgers was performing last year with similar offensive weapons, with a similar offensive line, albeit Love's offensive line is worse, um, with run games that struggled at times. You know, hopefully the Packers' run game can bounce back this year, and it bounced back at times last year as well. But... I think it is fair to look at this and dad, the, the on target throw percentage is it, it's just not good. I guess it's just the, the cleanest way of yeah. saying it. Do you want to break it down? So it's not quite as 
bad as his bad throw percentage, which was 32nd, but it's still he's um, 25th in the league, 7th worst. Um, so bottom t- quarter of the league in his uh, um, on-target percentage. And as compared to Rodgers just last year, where he was second in the league um, in in on target, so and and yeah, that Love has also been hurt by some drops. He's uh, near the bottom in the league, also twenty fifth in the league in in percentage of passes that have been dropped. But that is on top of the low on target percentage, not be, not causing some of the incompletions. So I think you know we've talked before about his um, completions over expected. Um, being low, one of those, and that has a couple of things. Like, okay, he's twenty fifth and on target, thirty second in in bad throws, and he's twenty fifth in drops. So all those things are piling on together to uh, have a a low completion completion percentage. Yeah, and where he's really struggling is like we already said before, but deep passes. So on passes over twenty yards, Love is like at a PFF grade of 55.9, which is below average. Um, he's slightly above average behind the line of scrimmage, short and medium. But for comparison, Rogers last year with a very similar supporting cast had an elite PFF grade of 18, 82.1 on passes over 20 yards. So that's, it's just, which, it's tough. And, and, and you remember going back, it's like, did we have a whole lot of yellow balls that didn't go anywhere? Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I felt. Still... I was like, I thought our deep passing game last year was awful. And, you know, I guess there's room for growth. We'll say there's room for growth, I think is the fair thing to say. Um, but, Dad, do you want to move on to – Do is there anything more on love you want to say, or should we discuss some more pieces of the offense? Right, let's go on to some more pieces of the offense um, related to um, the, the rest of the passing game first. Yeah, let's start with the pass blocking here, Dad. And – I think, you know, at times the pass blocking has been pretty good this year, but what do the metrics tell us about how the Packers have been doing protecting Jordan Love in the pocket? Yeah, so it kind of depends a little bit on who you go to for for your analysis. So so by DVOA, they're 12th in adjusted sack rate this year. Well, last year they were 6th. We talked a little bit how the um, offensive line has seemed to be struggling um, more recently um, this season. But by PFF... This year they're fourth in the league in pass protect in pass um, blocking, and last year they were third. And by ESPN's pass block win rate, they are third this year, on uh, fifth last year. So slight improvement. If you look at some of, uh, and now I, th- I think some of this might be we're looking at the average of the year, and maybe with a still relatively small number of games, only five that the pass blocking grade overall being bolstered by the a week one, which had an elite grade by PFF of 85.3 in the last four weeks have been 70, 73, 60, and 75 with that 60 being against Detroit where it was. Yeah. That, that matches the eye test. And, and then if we look at sort of the individual performers um, for pass blocking and by ESPN, um, Walker is 10th and Tom is, eight, is is 18th among tackles in pass block win rate. And then among interior offensive linemen, um, Runyon is 15th and Myers is 17th amongst all interior offensive linemen. If we also then look at the PFF grades, um, Bakhtiari is by far their best 
you know, in the little bit he was able to play, he had still an elite 89.9, like really top of the top level play. And Walker, Tom, Runyon, and Myers have all been above average. While the left guard position, whether it's been Newman or Jenkins, has both been the below average so far. I've had very similar grades. Jenkins' only good game so far this year was week two against Atlanta. So if and, and then he's had and he had the, the the knee injury. So maybe if he gets back to form, maybe that's the biggest difference between why we feel like the offensive line is not performing so well right now. Is that maybe Jenkins needs a little bit more time to round into um, better play after getting that uh, um, MCL injury? I think it was. Yeah, and he came back quicker than expected from that MCL injury. A lot of people, that's a four to six week injury. Uh, he came back after three, didn't have to go on IR at all, which is, you know, good. Um, in some ways, though, you know, their PFF grade bypass blocking is bolstered a lot by their performance against the Bears, which was an 85.3 grade, which is an elite grade. Last four weeks have been more middling, you know, still good. 70.2, 73, 60.4 against the Lions. I think we all remember that game. And then 75 against the Raiders. I was surprised to see it that high. I thought that, you know, Max Crosby kind of wrecked them up front at times in that game. But, you know, so he still... did more damage in the run game, I feel like, than yeah. the past game. He had I all mean, those tackles for losses and stops in the run game. Um he still had a sack and a handful of pressures, though. I thought he was disruptive kind of no matter what in that game. But yeah, I think, you know, for this offensive line and kind of how they've built the offensive line in terms of in the past, you know, drafting college tackles and moving them inside to guard, they're kind of building an offensive line that is designed to be better at pass blocking than run blocking. And yes. so far, the pass blocking, I think, has been pretty good. The run blocking, which we will talk about later, has been bad. But we will save that for later. Dad, is there anything more on the offensive line pass blocking-wise? Because I think the main thing, the main takeaway is pass blocking has been quite good, uh, despite having to deal with injuries at both left tackle and left guard. Um, and I think when you consider that context put into it and you look at like, hey, the Lions game obviously was very bad. Outside of that game, they've been pretty good at keeping love clean. Wide receivers, on the other hand, have been a bit more up and down. Like we talked about before, they are struggling with drops right now. And there's a lot more else. There's a lot else there to talk about. There's some positives as well. Um, but dad, is there anything else on the offensive line you want to talk about? Or do you want to move over to the receivers? We can move over to the receivers now. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the receivers. So there's some positives. There's some negatives. Which would you like me to start with? <laughs> um, why don't you start with the positives? Okay, so positives. I think before we talk about the receivers, we should keep in mind it's a very young unit, which we knew going in. No one is past being a second year in the league. And so that's something to keep in mind whenever you're looking at how the receivers are performing this year when we talk about some drops, that it should be viewed through the lens that they're all growing together. Now, in terms of positives, per Arjun Manon from PFF, Dontavian Wicks, rookie fifth-round pick, leads all wide receivers in frequency of getting open versus man coverage. Um, he's the only one on the team with an above-average PFF grade versus man coverage. And the Packers really might have found something with that day three pick there. It was, remember, this was a guy who really struggled his last year in college, but his second day last year in college, 
he was he would put himself on the map with his performances at Virginia that year. And, you know, he kind of regressed a little bit that last year and kind of fell off the map for some people, fell to day three. But a lot of people were excited about him. They're like, hey, if he could just recover that form from two years ago, we think he can be a really good player. And so far for the Packers, he's looked quite good at times. Some other positives. Um, Jalen Reed, or Jaden Reed, apologies, um, has the best quarterback rating when targeted uh, for the team against zone um, at 141, which is really elite. Um, the next is also Wicks at 82.8. Um, so some of the young guys are uh, succeeding. You know, Wicks is actually pretty doing a pretty good job being successful both against man and zone, and Reed is really killing it against zone. Now, on the other side, there, there are some more positives. You know, Dobbs has a PFF grade of 70.9. I think he's looked quite good at times this year. Um, I thought he was vastly underutilized against the Raiders, frankly, um, but he did have some drops in that game, so I'm not going to say it wasn't at least partially on him. There are some negatives, though. Um, number of targets versus man are pretty low on the team. Uh, 24 total targets versus man, 68 versus zone. Uh, Reed has the most targets at nine, but has only caught one of those. So Reed has struggled a bit at times against man. In terms of at the catch point, I think this one is one where like the stats really line up with what you're seeing on the field. Dobbs is the only player on the team with more than one contested catch on the year with four. Torrey and Wicks each have one, and then no one else has any. So I think you yeah, know we've that's seen at times the thing that's really kind of damning. They can't they, their ability to catch when there's somebody on them has been really rough, really bad. And uh, you know I think we see that like you see like okay at times like. Like, I thought that the second pick, like, obviously it was a great play by Marcus Peters. I'm talking about the second pick in the Raiders game. I was like, man, Watson, like, can we just work back to that a little harder, like a little stronger? And at times, you know, I think that is, like, play strength is something that is developed over time in the NFL and is, I think, one of the biggest growing pains for players in the NFL is that they're just not, at times, not strong enough. And I think the evidence that that might be true is that they are struggling at contested catches this year, which has a lot to do with play strength. But I think at times it has really set up love to kind of look worse than he has been at times, not to necessarily make excuses for at times him struggling, but yeah. So there have been some good signs from good flashes from some of the young players. Dad, if next year they went into the year with Watson as the wide receiver one, Dobbs is the wide receiver too, and Reed is the slot receiver. How would you feel about that group going into next year if the, if that was what they ran back this next year? So is that Dobbs, Watson? Dobbs, Watson, and Reed. I guess my main question is, how would you feel... Let, let me rephrase. How would you feel if Watson was the wide receiver one going into next year? Because to me, I feel like he has not shown as much growth from year one to year two as I would have hoped. To be fair, he's only really played one game so far. I just want to put that out there. And maybe that, you know, now that I'm here, now that I'm thinking about it, it's not really fair for me to say that. But during that Raiders game, I, I feel like at times he he, he showed a lot of the same struggles, things that he struggled with in his first year. It's like at times struggle, struggled tracking the ball. Um, at times, like struggled winning in, a, in different kind of ways down the field. Um, slowing down coming out of his breaks, which is something Andrew Hawkins on ESPN talked about. It's like when he turns back to look for the ball, he's slowing down, and some of those overthrows come from that. Um, but, Dad, what what would you think if they went with Watson 
as the number one receiver next year. I know it's early, but you know, just give me give me your opinion. I think he's the best they've got in terms of talent. I think last year it wasn't you know on that stretch it wasn't just like the touchdowns and getting kind of maybe an unsustainable touchdown frequency, but he was doing well by a bunch of other metrics as well in terms of um, contested catch percentage and other metrics like that. He was yards per route run was very good for him last year. Yards per route run. Right. So there was multiple advanced um, metrics for which he was doing very well. And so that was true. It wasn't. Yeah. I think that a lot of people said, well, he's just getting an unsustainable touchdown frequency. It's like, yeah, that's true. But that wasn't the only thing he was doing. Um, so, but yeah, I thought there was, and, I, and so I'd feel pretty good about it. Yeah, unless of course it's going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, that, 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 uh, that didn't like uh, change my tune about him being number one um, yeah. receiver, but I think he's got the ability to be a star. I, I think he's got to show a little bit more consistency, a little more toughness at the catch, though he was getting contested catches at a decent rate, um, last year. So I think part of it is just getting his feet under him. He's had this bad luck of interrupting his development with these injuries. So that's, I think, the big thing is, can he stay healthy? Yeah, um, I, I think that's that's maybe more of a fair maybe question. Maybe the biggest yeah. knock. He has only played that one game. It is premature to, to talk about... I guess it is premature to talk about who is the number one receiver going into next year. That's fair. But, Dad, while we're talking about pass catchers, let's move on to the tight ends. Now, you were saying that you feel like this group needs a veteran presence. I don't know that I agree. Um, okay. I think... I almost think let him sink or swim. Um, so we all know Musgrave has taken the majority of snaps. I don't count DeGuara as a tight end. He's a fullback at this point. Um, then Kraft has taken the next most, and then Sims has taken the next most. Um, Kraft has had the worst PFF grade overall at 41.9. Uh, which is really bad. Um, but he's graded out well as a pass blocker. He's actually the best graded pass blocker, but only on seven snaps. Um, Musgrave has the deepest eight out of all of them by a lot at 7.3. Um, although him and DeGuar actually end up, although DeGuar's is down at 2.7, they actually end up with similar yards per reception, which I think is kind of funny. Um, I would not mind seeing more Sims. I feel like I've, I feel like Sims has looked better blocking than Kraft. And if the argument is like, hey, we want to have Kraft get all these snaps so he can develop, fair enough. But I personally, through five games, I've felt like the very small amount of snaps that we've seen of Sims have looked pretty good at times. Um, and he looked he looked promising, I feel like, and maybe more ready to play right now than Kraft. What do you, what do you feel yeah. about the tight end position? I mean, he had some nice bursts on that catch in the last game. Um, going yeah, up maybe I'm just... Right I could... I could just be getting, you know, kind of You're like, <laughs> ooh, shiny, like that one play. That one play was pretty cool. You got too much hopium from that one play. I mean, he looked good in that one play. That's all I'm going to say. That's all but I'm going to say. Would I good say one play. I'd like a veteran presence. What I would, what I mean by that is, I would like a pass blocking tight end veteran. Um, I think they're they're generally not quite good enough, or maybe some of it is I'm just burned by how they tried to do some blocking by the tight ends in the last game. So that's where, you know, that's a combination of um, coaching decisions plus uh, pass blocking where it's actually not only detrimental to figure out how good the tight ends are, but the, some of the rest of the offense as well. 
Yeah. And I don't know. I don't see it as big of a need. I feel like the offensive line has pass blocked well enough. Like where they're, Speaking they don't need of- a dedicated, they don't need a dedicated pass blocking tight end. To me, it's like, I think just put your tight ends in better positions. Don't have Kraft coming across the formation to block Crosby. Don't try and double yeah. team Crosby with two tight ends. Like just, Why? let's just have them do things that they're capable of. That's like kind of that play, especially that. when they have like a tight end and then another tight end trying to block Crosby. Why did they put a sixth offensive lineman over there for that play? Now, it wasn't yeah. going to work when you're trying to get somebody to go all the way across the formation. If you put a lineman there, he's not going to be going any faster than Kraft. That was that that whole yeah. decision that, is just mind boggling. The whole game was mind boggling. Let's not let's not dwell on it too much. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about for the tight ends for me coming out of the bye week. I feel like you know Musgrave has looked good at times. I don't think he's looked like out of this world or anything. I think he still looks like a baby deer at times, like getting his feet under him. And that was kind of (sighs) one of my concerns coming out of college is he can't stay. And the problem I think actually is like, I was concerned about his yak coming out of college, staying upright at times. I feel like in his routes, he's not staying upright. Like he's falling over running routes, which is not good. That's like the actual, like, okay, that's concerning. Cause he's like so wide open. He fell down before he caught that one play. I guess the the, bears uh, fumbled. um, Yeah. The fumble tight end yeah. leak. Yeah. But that's kind of all I really have to say about that, as Forrest Gump would say. Um, but let's move on to, Dad, the running game. It's been bad. But it's also, pro- like, by statistics, it's been better than you'd think. So, well, overall... Well, it depends on what statistic you use. Yes. It depends on what statistic you use. So... I would say, to me, DVOA lines up better with how I feel about it. So, overall, they are 27th in rush DVOA per FTN, which kind of takes into account the strength of your opponent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, surprisingly, they are 14th in rush EPA and 15th in rushing success rate per RBSDM.com. It's surprising to me that those numbers are as high as they are, that they're middle of the pack. I would have guessed they were way closer to dead last than that. But I think there's some interesting things going because I, you know, I think no matter what those numbers are saying, I would say that the Packers run game has been disappointing. I think we can at least say the Packers run game has been disappointing and has not been, they have needed it to be better than it's been. I think schematically, there are some interesting things going on here. So to me, I would argue, and there are some statistics that would say that last year they were actually a decent running game. I felt like last year they did not run the ball as well as they had two years ago, or at least didn't block the run as well as they had two years ago. Um, These are per PFF. Two years ago, they ran 280 zone running plays and 125 power running plays. That's a ratio of 2.24 to 1, so over two times as many zone as power. Last year, they ran 261 zone to 148 power, which is 1.8 to 1. This year, they've run 50 zone and 47 power, which is pretty much 1 to 1. So this is something that has actually been happening around the league amongst Shanahan systems. A lot of um, both Kyle Shanahan and uh, I think Sean McVay as well have, I I was listening to a podcast about this, have leaned into doing more pin pull stuff um, and more uh, more variety in their running games. But I almost feel like the Packers have kind of, it, it seems like as they've leaned more into power, the run offense has gotten worse. 
Um, and I know we talked about the last podcast, how they haven't been able to get anything going outside the numbers running the football. I wonder just, you know, maybe a little more inside zone for the Packers um, going forward could maybe help them. And obviously the coaches know a million things more than me, know more than I'll ever even, they've forgotten more than I'll ever even know about football. But I, I think that this trend of leaning more into power has kind of at least coincided. um, And obviously that doesn't necessarily prove causation with being less efficient as a run game. And so I think schematically that that is at least something that I'm keeping my eye on dad run blocking wise. I mean, it's, it's all bad any which way you want to look at it. Do you want to break it down? Cause it's, it's just bad. It's bad. Yeah, we could take three different ways and uh, three different sites that have measured uh, run blocking uh, um, performance or efficiency. So by PFF, they're 26th in the league in run blocking this year. Um, by ESPN, it's run block win rate. They're 29th. And per DVOA from FTN Fantasy, they are 27th in adjusted line yards. So if you compare that to last year, so by PFF's run blocking grade last year, they're 23rd. ESPN had them 8th last year. And by DVOA, they were 2nd in adjusted line yards. So some big some big drop-offs and being really bad. Um, yeah. And I, I didn't particularly... I felt like the run blocking... I mean, PFF didn't think the run blocking was good. Some places did. I, I personally, my opinions on this here, at least, align with PFFs that I thought they didn't block the run very well much at all last year either. Um, and yeah. I think and at times they at were kind of, the... I was just going to say, at times I thought they were being bailed out by Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones hasn't yes. been healthy this year. He's, only, he's barely played a game. And I think Dylan has been disappointing, to say the least. Yeah, I think this last game, actually, for Dylan, he had his best, best game. They ran him up the middle a little bit more. I think uh, strategically, um, in terms of his play, it's maybe it maybe playing to his strengths a little bit more. But if you also look at this, so that so that talks about the offensive line as a whole. If you look at the individuals, so for, for ESPN, there's not a single um, lineman in the top ten for run block win rate. No centers, guards, or tackles. Last year they did have Nyman, who was they had first among all offensive tackles in run block win rate, and he can't get on the field this year. Yeah, I'm and, I'm still surprised by that. I'm surprised they haven't at least thought about putting him in for Walker because I, I think Walker had a better preseason. I mean, we said this a month on. Walker had a better preseason. I think Nyman's been better actually in NFL games in the past, and Nyman's a better run blocker. Is uh, At least that's how – I'm surprised they haven't at least thought about it or at least looked at it, and maybe they have and still decided to roll with Walker. But, I mean, there is the added bit of context that Nyman is a free agent after this year and Walker is under contract. So there's that as well. Yeah. Maybe they're just like, hey, we want Walker to get the reps because we're, we're building for next year because that was something we talked about going into the years. A lot of what they are doing this year is looking for next year. Yeah, and by run and by PFF, the run blocking grades, only Tom is having a, what you call a good year, 75.7 grade. And, and Bakhtiari is a little bit above average as well. And the rest are actually below average. Um, yeah. So that's not good. Yeah, and, you know... Do you want to move on to Dylan? Because, I mean, he's having yeah, let's his talk about worst Dylan. He's having, he's having a tough a year. year. Um, he was better against the Raiders. Um, mostly just that one drive, though, I would say. He's having and, – and the the first drive of the game and the one touchdown drive with the short field. Um, but he's having his worst year so far in a contract year. Uh, overall offense, pass blocking, running. Um, it's by a lot. Um, 
His receiving is also not great, but that's more around average for his career. But I feel like they're also just not throwing him the ball much. Um, much less than the they, last two years. Much much less than two years ago, especially, at least. when I, I would say two years ago was his best year. Um, and then yes, the past by, two years have just been... By far his best receiving was last was two years ago. I, I would say just best year overall. I mean, I, I just think back to like that year, 2021, I was like, wow, he, he's running it better than Jones this year. And I haven't said that since. Um, it just hasn't been good enough. And he's, he's averaging barely three yards a carry. Um, he's not contributing much to the offense. They're not able to stay on schedule. And it's, it's not all his fault. It's because a lot of times it's because I think he needs good run blocking, but at the same time, it's like, if you're a running back who needs good run blocking, like there are a lot of other guys who can do that job. And so unfortunately I think, you know, maybe this, we might be looking at if you can't turn it around, this might end up being the the last year of Dylan and Green Bay, unfortunately, which is tough because he is a big fan favorite and he seems to really love living in Wisconsin, which is always awesome when you have a Packers player who's psyched to be here. Um, anything you wanted to add on that one? Uh, it, it's just not it's not great. No, that pretty much sums it up what we had for the running back. And, and Jones, in terms of looking at the running backs overall, just hasn't played enough to ha- you know with only fourteen carries and three receptions so far this year. To uh, yeah. He hasn't even um, played a full game overall. He hasn't even played a full game's worth of snaps. I mean, it just yeah. is what it is. And hamstring injuries are always tricky. Um, and I think they're going to be some. That's the the fact that he's been hurt so much this year so far also means that the conversations around him this offseason are going to be complicated as well. But that kind of does it for the offense. Dad, do you want to move on to talking about how we feel about the defense through the bye week? Um, I have some numbers here. I think, honestly, let's talk a little bit about our overall impressions. I think the defense has been fine. I think the defense has been fine except for the Lions game um, and the very end of the Falcons game. Um, I, I think for a lot of the Falcons game, they were okay. I mean, they did get it kind of run down their throat as the game went on. Um, but, you know, they stomped down the Bears. They shut out the Saints for a lot of that game. And they should they did enough to win the game against the Raiders. Um, so if you just go based on defensive performance, I would say they should have three wins. Um, overall, a lot of the statistics are middling. Um, but that, how do you feel about the defense through those five games? So I think if you look at it on the whole, it's like, okay, they've been good enough from the aggregate, but you always feel like there are a couple of just head scratching plays, you know, or, or, <laughs> you know, infuriating place. Like, well, why did you even do it that way? That you, you're setting yourself up to fail. And that's, I think, what people are most, uh, when, when people are, you know, want to keep the uh, torches and pitchforks out, it's because of these few plays that just don't make sense. Um, yeah. But I, and, and I, there I do is think... Air, I would say that Sorry, overall, no. they've been kind of middle of the pack as a defense. Yeah. When and, you sum it all metrics... together. The metrics kind of bear that out. I mean, they're 11th in yards per play. They're 7th best in 3rd down conversion rate, but they're dead last in 4th down conversion rate. Uh, 17th in yards per drive, 14th in points per drive. 21st in team defense DVOA per FTN. Um, They're 20th in EPA per play, but 25th in success rate per RBSDM.com. And to me, those last two, that EPA per play and success rate is... They're not allowing too many big plays or not allowing as many big plays as they are allowing just like kind of getting cut up down the field. It feels like, um, but yeah, they're, they're a middling defense. 
right now. And, and, and ter- for the critics, you know, to be fair to the critics, that has been kind of the issue. Is like you just let the team slowly march down the field um, on these long extended drives. Yeah, the the dead last and fourth down conversion rate, one hundred percent tracks. Also, like I'm, I saw that and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like I've not. I'm surprised they've stopped a fourth down. To be honest, I, I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head. I'll stop a fourth down. It's not one hundred percent. Are we sure? Can we double check that? Um, but yeah, the 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 defense has been, in my opinion, fine. And a lot of people would say, oh, you got you got a lot of talent on the defense. It should be better. I would say that was a fair argument last year. I don't know that the def- is the defense that talented this year. I mean, yes, in some ways. I mean, you have you have Rashawn Gary, but he's still kind of on a pitch count. You have I, I have a I have a question for you. Okay, the talent is. So I have an idea of who I, I have somebody in my head. This who would you say has been the second best player on defense so far this year? If you're saying the first best has been Gary, uh, yes, for sure. I think the second best has been Kenny. I, I think ah. there's, a, I think there's a, I don't think, I, I think it's a pretty clear second. Now, if you ask me, the uh, third who, would be, I, you know who I have. I, well, if you ask me who third would be, I would say, I would say Preston Smith. I have Rasul. Really, that's interesting. I think you know the Lions game left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth, um, where he struggled in that one. Um, you know, gave up the big play to Laporta earlier, got burned on the Amon Ross and Brown on one. That one. This is true. Yeah. So that that's why I would Maybe say... Maybe I'm feeling I, a little bit too good about his most recent game against the Raiders. Yeah. But I, I would say, you know, I would say Kenny's been second for me. I would argue Preston might be third. Uh, Rudy Ford yes. is asleep. If you don't Ru- dig him too much for his coverage. Yeah, well, rates. I don't. But, but like, Rudy- why? Why even bother giving that much so, that much weight to his his coverage? Yeah, and I, I think Rudy Ford's had a really nice season through five games. Yeah. Like, much yeah. better than I would have expected. But, Dad, since we're talking a little bit about coverage, let's talk about the pass defense specifically and do a bit of a deep dive into how that's looked so far this year. So, overall, they're 14th in pass DVOA per FTN. They're 12th in dropback EPA, but they're 24th in dropback success rate. And that kind of you know ties into they're not giving up a ton of big plays, but they're kind of letting you march it down the field a little bit. Um. In terms of pass rush, they're 24th by PFF this year. Last year, they were 15th. They're 15th in ESPN pass rush win rate, though. Uh, last year, they were 12th, but they did drop off dramatically once Gary got hurt. They don't have anybody in the ESPN top 10 for the uh, for their position at the metric right now. Uh, and then per DVOA, they're 15th in adjusted sack rate on defense. Last year, they're 17th. Uh, to me, I'm not worried about the pass rush until Gary is back full time because Gary has an elite PFF pass rush grade of 89.9. Um, no other edge for the Packers is above average right now by PFF. But the fact that Gary has been such a wrecking ball in his small number of snaps leads me to believe that once they get him back in a full time role, I think the pass rush will kind of sort itself out. And why it's actually also been really good in terms of um, on true pass sets, on true. Um, True pass set pass rushing. He's had an elite grade per PFF of 81.2. Um, Gary's win rate is like is crazy. That it's 28%, which is third amongst all edges. No one else is in no one else for the Packers is in the top 100, 100 but we're not going to worry about that. Um, and then why it's at 10.8% uh, or pressure percent, uh, which is second amongst interior D linemen. Um, Wooden is 28th amongst interior D linemen. Clark is 33rd and Brooks is 40th. 
I would say I'm not that worried, like I said, about the pass rush. How are you feeling about the pass rush so far? I think it's been fine. I honestly wish I had seen a little more from Wyatt. These numbers are higher than I would have expected from just watching him. I feel like, you know, second year, first round pick who's 25 years old, he's a little on the older side. You would have maybe expected him to be a little more dominant this year. But, you know, by the numbers, he's had a pretty nice year. I think maybe some of it's the up and down nature. I think that um, he's really good against Chicago. Uh, he was pretty good against the Lions. And and then had, uh, I think, a worse game against the Falcons, if I remember correctly. But, Dad, pass rush-wise, how are you feeling about this team? I feel like pass rush-wise is one of the better aspects of their defense, even though they're not they're not getting enough con- contribution across the board. Um, but they've got better pass rush from their D linemen than they I think had in a long time. Um, and they and and Gary is you know, could potentially be one of you know good enough as a star to kind of carry the unit amongst the, amongst the edge rushers. Yeah. A hundred percent agree, but we know for pass defense, it's always a tandem between pass rush and coverage. The coverage has been decent. Um, and I'm interested to see what happens when Stokes comes back. You know, Joe Barry said, uh, in his presser the other day that, you know, having a, having to find a way to work Stokes in is a champagne problem. He said, it's like, it's a good problem to have overall. They're ninth by PFF this year in coverage last year. They were 14th. Um, Rasul, by PFF is playing really well. He's fifth overall in the league in coverage grade amongst corners with more than 10 snaps. Jair's having a bit of a down year though, dad. And I think part of that is like, he's been a little dinged up. He was dinged up in, in um, preseason as well. If you remember, I wonder if maybe he's just not quite a hundred percent healthy. Um, his coverage grade is just a 66.3, which is just barely better than Corey Ballantyne. He's given up a near uh, perfect 155.8 rating at times when targeted. Um, he was really good week one. It's really bad week two. Um, and week five was also not great. And I think that's like, okay, ha- had a bad back. And he was dealing with, if I remember correctly, it was some kind of lower body issue during um, preseason, if I remember correctly. Um, amongst the safeties, I actually feel like the safeties are doing way better than I expected. Rudy Ford is doing really well. He's 20th amongst safeties in coverage grade per PFF at 74. Savage is doing worse, but I think Savage is still playing better than he did last year, I guess is how I feel about that. Um, Dad, how do you feel about the safeties? Because I think going into the... This was the weakest position on the roster on paper, but they've been way better than I think anyone expected. I think Ford especially. Uh, and especially considering the fact that in the offseason, you know, Ford was the one whose job was up for grabs, where you know they were putting Owens out there, they were putting Tarverius Moore out there, and they, they had Ford initially, and then they went away from him, and they came back to him, and I think he's kind of rewarded their faith a little bit. Yeah, I remember at some point it was like, why did they... It, and it, I remember feeling like it was taking too long to try somebody instead of Ford, but now Ford's been their best safety. And I think myself and maybe a lot of other people thought, this could be the worst safety group in the league. And I don't think that's actually true, and I think a large part of that is because Ford has overperformed expectations. By a lot. He's, I think he's overperforming right. by, by, by a lot. By a lot, right. I think people thought he I mean, might be more like one of the worst safeties in the league instead of being in the top 20. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's more of a career special teamer, and you could argue he's been a top five player on the defense. I mean, he's one of their better playmakers. He has two interceptions so far this year. 
I mean, I think it's fair to say he's maybe the the most you know surprising, like positively surprising, we'll say, uh, player on the the team <laughs> so far. Um, yeah. But Dad, anything else you wanted to say about the pass defense, or should we move on to the run defense? Because I think that's where, you know, as always, good old Green Bay just can't quite seem to do much there. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, we were talking about how long you felt it's been since you had a good running game or run blocking. It's been even longer since you had a good run run defense. It's been a lot longer since we've had a good run defense. Let's talk about it a little bit. Per PFF, run defense is 18th in the league. Last year, they were 26th. Per ESPN, run stop win rate, 19th. Last year, they were 31st. So they have gotten better. Um, Slayton and Enigbari are both top 10 in their positions in run stop win rate well, per ESPN. As in, as in 10th. Yeah. <laughs> top yeah. 10 by being 10th. Hey, still top 10. <laughs> um, per DVOA, they're 25th in adjusted line yards, um, 25th in second level yards, but they're first in open field yards on defense, which is uh, yards more than 10 yards downfield per carry. Um, last year, they were dead last in adjusted line yards, 30th in second level, and 19th in open field. Right. Um, so this year, though. Those, but those aspects of like that they're getting better at, that's like safety and linebacker work. I think like that not letting him run wild in a um, second and third level of the field as much as they did last year. Yeah. And though, you know, some other advanced statistics, you know, they're still 27th in rush EPA this year, which is bad. Uh, and they're 25th in rush success rate. Um, so also bad. Uh, Dad, position group wise, how does this kind of break down? Where, how would you divvy it up? Let's, let's kind of start with the edge rushers maybe. Yeah. So, so far for the edge rushers in terms of run defense, only Preston Smith and Hollins are above average by PFF. Preston All the is rest carrying the. Preston is carrying the entire edge setting on his back right now. He's the only one yes. who is like consistently setting an edge, and I think I think Gary's done okay at it at times, but other times has kind of lost just, his lot there. He just, abandon, he just abandons it. I mean, the sometimes. problem is, that, yeah, and I think the, that's why his grade is low. Is sometimes he just gets so um, dedicated to diving inside against to get the quarterback that he gives up the edge yeah, and they and run then, around behind him. And then the other is, I think LVN has looked good against the run as well. He just hasn't had a very high complement of snaps. Um, yeah. And I, I think even... I, I think um, he has some potential there. Yeah, and and uh, the edge rusher coach, I think it's uh, Reb Rich, um, mentioned that he really liked the physicality that Van Ness was bringing in the run game. And he actually said, like, we just need him to bring that physicality in the pass game now. Um, but yeah, amongst the front, though, only, like you said, Preston Hollins are above average. And only Slayton is above average for defensive line, which I feel like is a bit surprising. I'm surprised Kenny's not up there. But it does kind of track for the rest of them in terms of how they've built this D-line out, Dad. Yeah, when you look at just the missed tackle percentage on the team overall, um, the three worst are three defensive linemen. Wyatt, Wooden, and Brooks are all have missed tackle percentages in the low 20s. Um, Slayton is at 7%, and Kenny doesn't have a single missed tackle yet this year. Overall, wide is by far the worst in missed tackle percentage. Um, in 37%, 37.5. So that's not necessarily only missed tackles in the run game. Is this where they're, where they're the, the worst? And so if you include the passing game as well as the run game, then Wyatt's missed tackle percentage is by far the worst of the team. Um, when you look now getting into the, the second, third levels of the defense, Rasul is by far the best cornerback against the run game, which kind of tracks. He's bigger corner 
than most of the other ones on the team um, and has done a good job of sniffing out some plays. And both, and both Ford and Savage have been above average at safety against the run among safeties. Um, so it's something that I don't think anybody could have predicted based on last year's performance from Savage, for example. He's actually been a little better against the run this year than, than against the pass. Yeah, um, and then going on for second level, um, Campbell has not played much. And he is above average against the run while Walker's below average, and there's a big drop from Campbell to McDuffie. Would you... How much of their like poor performance would you say is like missing Campbell? Um, he's still projected to miss a little bit more time. He's not back practicing yet. Um, do you think if they had Campbell, they would be a better run defense? I guess is what I'm thinking. How much of it would you chalk up to that injury? It might be a decent amount, um, though. You know, one thing. So even though Campbell's overall run grade is pretty good, is his depth of tackle is not. Um, so good. It's pretty. It's pretty deep, actually. While while Walker's been better in that regard, but that uh, kind of makes me that that does make me think, though, that it is kind of on the defensive line. To me, like, I don't know. I've I've ranted and raved about this, but you know, Jerry Montgomery has been the D line coach for, across three coordinators now. He's been the run game coordinator on defense. I feel like the defensive line is consistently the position group that is at fault for not playing the run well, um, at fault for underperforming. They have talent along that D-line now. They have not really developed any of the players that they've drafted there besides Kenny. You know, I don't the know. other thing that kind of matches the eye test and why you feel like whatever they're doing with the, the I mean, no one, on this team can, no one on this team can get off a block. Like, that's that's any position. Get, no one on this team can get off a block. <laughs> but there's but the other thing that this kind of matches with in terms of the defensive line standing up in the run game is their ability to, like, stop a team at, like, fourth and one or down at the goal line in a run play. Yeah, like I mean, we saw get... they have the worst fourth down conversion rate allowed in the league, 80%. Yeah. And I, I, off the top of my head, it feels like all of those have just been short runs, which kind of yeah. tracks, but... They just get yeah. pushed back in the run, they don't, in, in those power situations. They don't play with much force up front, and you know some of it's personnel. You know, Wooden's a smaller pass rushing type guy. Uh, Brooks was an edge rusher in college; he's still coming along. But you would hope that like a bigger first rounder in Wyatt. You've got Slayton, who's like your nose tackle, like classic run run stuffing nose tackle. You got Kenny, who's like you know all around can do everything. You got you have a star there. You have some talent there, and so I feel like that position group against the run has underperformed for years now, and really in general, I think, has underperformed for years now. Um, but that that was just kind of a tangent brought on about your talk mm-hmm. about depth of tackle. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I, I see that you said Ford has no missed tackles on the year. Another feather in my cap for putting him as a top five defensive player on the team this year. Do you think that's outlandish? Is that crazy to say? Oh, for Ford? Yeah, no, say Ford's been a, a top five defensive player on the team. Or, I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, he's been How's way better than crazy? anyone. Anyone has anything? Yeah, but you know, run game overall. I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel here. The run defense is bad. It has been bad. It's. I don't know how it gets better because, you know, maybe they've tried things. Is the thing they've tried having more down linemen. They've tried playing three linebackers. 
I know Matt LaFleur has said, like, we can't just keep doing the same thing. We need to do things differently or we're insane. I mean, he said that before, though. Like, I, I just don't know. I don't know what you can do to fix this run defense without just players playing better at times. Yeah, but you do wonder what stories will make when it, the overall performance doesn't change regardless of who you put in there. Yeah. And where do you look? Right? Yeah. Who's in and charge? It's like, but it's like at this point, it's like at times I'm like, is it coaching? Is it personnel? Like when you when Maybe you it's have... not coaching in the sense of scheme or plan, but no individual individual development. And that's why I, I have my eyes on Jerry Montgomery at times where I'm like, what exactly is it you would say you do here? But that's another conversation for another time. We have gotten a little long here, breaking down the bye week. This is supposed to be just a nice little nugget episode, but there's a lot to talk about. It was a good amount to talk about. It was a 20-pack of nuggets. Yes. Hey, that could still be a snack. But anyway, this kind of does it for our bye week wrap-up. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that things kind of turn around after this bye week with the matchup against the Broncos. We will be doing a preview for that game later this week. We'll have it out to you. So don't worry. That episode is still coming, and we'll be doing a post-game after that. Rest of the year going through the rest of the season, we'll be doing two episodes a week, pregame, postgame for every game, hopefully into the playoffs. You know, that feels like a wishful thinking right now, but you never know. Maybe they'll turn it around. And then during the, the offseason of week. the bye week. Everything's going to be fixed every, with the extra I, week of, of preparation. Yes, that's true. I, I Every time I get a little too excited, I'm just like, oh, they're just going to they're gonna fix all this stuff over the bye week. I have to remember, they lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Raiders. <laughs> Calm down. But anyway. No disrespect, Raiders. You beat us fair and square. We suck. But anyway. Uh, unfortunately, you have to say we lost to the Raiders fair and square. That's the part that hurts about hurts the most. It's not like, you know, oh, they got like, you know, a uh, punt return touchdown or a block, and a block kick touchdown and put up a bunch nope. of fluke plays. It's like, nope, they just, just outplayed us. Just, just got beat by the Raiders, who are not good. But apparently neither are we. So maybe we'll turn it around. We're playing the Broncos this week. You never know. But anyway, Ooh, like or I even said, worse than the Raiders. So yeah, fingers crossed. I'm not saying anything because I remember in our pregame last last week I said <laughs> I don't see how they lose this game. We we saw we found out we found out we, we did find did, out. We just gotta stretch that imagination a little bit more. Yeah, gotta be a little more creative. But anyway, like I said, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, come give us a follow on Twitter at FathersOnPacker. Come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. If you like what you hear here today. Come give us a follow on Twitter. Well, I already said that. Oh, well. We'll, we'll, cut, we'll cut that in post. Don't you can worry. follow us on Twitter more than once. Yeah, why not? Make another account. Follow us again. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. Put all our episodes out on YouTube as well. Oh, Dad, I realize. Special teams. Anders Carlson looking good. Daniel Whelan looking less good. Punt coverage. Not up to snuff for having so many special teams guys on the roster. Thoughts? Anything else on the special teams you want to throw out before we, uh, you know, throw to break, so to speak? Um, I'll just say that Carlson's been turning out to be more of a, a gamer, I guess. Knock when, on wood. When it's Knock uh, on wood. you know, we were all worried about how poor, poor, poorly he was performing in practices in the in training camp, but the games and preseason games and regular season games. Hey. He's been good. We're talking about we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. Right? Talking about practice. But anyway, like we said, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. This has been our bi-week breakdown. And until next time, go pack go. Go pack go.